So, welcome back, guys. Thank you to another ep- episode of the Aftermath Podcast. I'm here with one of our fellow instructors and black belts, Instructor Z. I'm um, going to talk about some details. This on this episode, we're going to go over some of the things that we like to kind of discuss. Z is one of is our premier nogi instructor, as well as our tactical operations um, expert. So we'll talk about some different aspects of what he does, what he brings, get a little bit of his background. So you're familiar with one of the other black belts that is an instructor here. Then we're going to talk about something I saw once again. I don't know why it's a big debate, but it goes on all the time. The difference between gi and no gi. There are people who are like, I only do no gi. There are people who only want to do gi. I believe you're better served to have both. So we'll talk about that as well. We'll get into that. And then if you have it, once this thing is posted on IG or one of the others, Give us your thoughts in the comment section and we may come back to this. And um, and if there's some good conversations, we may come back and feel that and discuss it in another or a future podcast. So with no delay, I'd like to introduce Instructor Z, Professor ZZ. Tell them a little bit about you, your background, um, how you ended up with us and all that good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm Z Durham. I'm a father and a husband and a family man retired from the military. Um, started doing jujitsu. Around 2005, uh, regularly, and then got into MMA, and mostly did MMA, and then due to the military requiring you to wear a uniform for most of their competitions, I had to, you know, figure out the gi with traditional jiu-jitsu, so that kind of led to my journey as a, as a full-spectrum, well-rounded jiu-jitsu practitioner, I guess, instead of just no gi or wrestling-based. Um, yeah, so I studied under different people. Being in the military, you kind of you find different professors, instructors, or coaches. You just find whoever's available usually, and that's that was my case. And uh, for the most part, though, I for probably from purple belt all the way up to black belt, I was under uh, Coach Ray Casillas um, with Zenith. Um, they had a contract on the military base at Fort Campbell where I was at, so they were there every morning for most weekdays. So it was just convenient. We went there and studied with him and Earl, Earl Medley, and uh, and that kind of took me to here. And now I'm older, so I kind of stick to just jujitsu versus all the other disciplines, even though I dabble here and there. But, uh, yeah, and met James a long time ago and uh, finally got some time available because my wife said I could have some time <laughs> and uh, started working here part-time as an instructor uh more than a few times a week all right good deal so so when you talk about mma and some other stuff um and we kind of talk about because we offered here judo wrestling all those other things how big a part have they played in your jujitsu journey or your actually mixed martial arts journey well definitely uh, starting out in mixed martial arts like you you really you try to merge everything together as best you can right what it turns out to be in though in a lot of gyms just because you know you know doing all the various disciplines is resource intensive as far as instructors that can get you on the right path in all those areas and time right i mean if you're trying to do this this and this like there's not enough time in the day and plus conditioning and strength training if you're trying to be very competitive so uh i dabbled in all of them basically here and there as time allowed and as the instructors were available i think it's crucial though 
because there's so many overlapping portions of each discipline, right? Judo for sure and jujitsu together, right? You can't have one without the other, in my opinion. Both of them have ground techniques. Both of them have standing techniques. And then wrestling, uh, even if you didn't do wrestling competitive freestyle or, or folk style, high school or college, whatever, um, you still, a lot of the, the principles and the fundamentals are required for you to be good at any level of grappling, in my opinion. You got to have the hips, you got to have the, the neck, you got to have that, that ba- base and balance that come along with heavy wrestling, heavy uh, judo. So they all apply to jujitsu in some form or fashion. All right. So, and I'm actually going to take it there because, um, once again, I, I like to bring questions that I get and bring it to the forefront. When someone's like, so, yeah, jujitsu is great, but what if you're getting hit in your face? And I always kind of laugh at people and when I say this and say, once again, the first rule of Brazilian jujitsu is don't get hit in the face. Um, how do you deal with that question or what do you tell your students, especially in Nogi, when they're asking that question or how do you kind of circumvent that? Yeah, getting hit in the face or getting punched while you're doing jujitsu, um, it, it will make a difference if you're not effective with your jujitsu once you get in close enough. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm getting hit in the face, I am going to react. I am going to, and it, if your training is not there, if you haven't been trained in that area and you're not conditioned to not freak out too much or get control of whatever freaking out you're, you're experiencing sooner rather than later, like, jiu-jitsu will still be effective. I mean, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, judo, getting a hold of someone and controlling them is still effective. You just got to close the distance, right? And I'm not going to sit here and let you punch me in the face and let you maintain that distance if I feel safer getting a hold of you or getting away from you even, right? So, yeah, I say this. If you want to be effective in a real-life situation, getting hit in the face, you do need to expose yourself in training to getting hit in the face. It's not going to come naturally if you've never experienced it. But it doesn't necessarily mean your jujitsu is going to be bad once you get to a place where you can control the situation better and you've got a hold of that person. Because once I get a hold of you around your hips or get on top of you, your punches are not going to be as effective. If I let you maintain top position on me, though, and separate from me and get space, yeah, your punches are going to be effective and I'm going to be worried about them. I should be worried about them, right? But, uh, I still think jujitsu is is necessary because if me and you just stand up and do a boxing match, we're still playing that puncher's chance game, which I don't want to play with anybody if I'm really trying to win, right? I don't want to give you a chance to knock me out. And you got as much chance as I do if we're both relatively equal. If we're just street fighters and we're relatively same size or even different sizes, you hit me in the right spot, I could go down. And then what happens to me after I get after I get knocked out in a real situation? Who knows? That's Molly whopped dangerous if you fall down so and i like what you said and um, like a lot of times i like the questions because everyone based off of what they know or what they don't know all right and then also going back to gi and no gi when people's like hey what's more realistic in the setting all right so they're like you have people go hey no gi is closer to a real fight i've never had to fight a naked person or a person just in spandex personally myself but i did watch old school and sometimes people jump out of your closet and you just have to be prepared for that all right so that's one of those things but am i I, late for the orgy (laughs) so you know you have to you have to understand what's going down but once again 
So my take on jujitsu, and there's a lot of things. Some people are like, well, competitors, competition jujitsu, tactical jujitsu, no gi jujitsu, gi. If you're proficient at jujitsu, you should be you should do well in a street fight. Period. You should yeah. be able to get to a position, maintain that position, if not finish the fight, then control that person. What are uh, your thoughts on that? Like, for sure, for sure. So in any given fight, right, where it's hand-to-hand or other fights, really there's strategy and tactics involved, right? So strategy and tactics aside, we don't talk about that as much as, you know, as some people in our class, we focus on principles and fundamentals, right? So once I get my hips right, I understand base and position. I understand angles. I understand posture. I understand managing space, taking up space by getting them closer or getting them away from me if they're uh, on top of me or something, you know, managing space, I call it. If you understand that stuff, then you can apply it in different settings. And then it comes down to working your strategy and tactics, right? So if I'm working a strategy and tactics for a guy with a knife, I'm still going to be base and balance. I'm still going to manage my angles. I'm still going to manage my space, right? I'll use a chair or a longer stick or, or a ballistic option like a gun, right, versus a knife. So I'm still using strategy and tactics. I'm just managing the space from outside of arm's reach, right? Same thing as jujitsu, except in jujitsu, usually you're within arm's reach, right? So I'm going to go closer or get further away depending on what I'm trying to do. So all that stuff applies to me across the board as a gunfighter, as a as striker, which I've been trained in and I still dabble in, or in a grappling situation, right? You're managing space. It's all the same. Learn the principles. And the principles that we're using often are probably the hardest part of the principles and fundamentals, right? Because it's it takes a lot to when someone has got their hands on you and trying to control you, right? So you got to really understand how to survive in that moment, how to control that other person once you survived whatever they they used as offense right and then you got to learn how to use that control to transition to something else submission striking tools or running away you know what i mean so it's all necessary as far as the fundamentals go and the principles involved in grappling in general like even boxing i talk about boxing like we never if we and you are boxing each other, I don't want to be squared up straight in front of you and give you options to hit me. I want to remove those opportunities for you to hit me by changing angles, changing distance, right? And making my angle good to hit you and making your angle bad so you can't hit me and be as effective. Same thing in grappling when our hands are on you, right? Same thing in gunfighting. If you play paintball or airsoft, you're trying to get an angle on somebody, maneuver on someone, suppress them with fire so they stay down and you can move forward and be offensive and make them defensive. Same thing in any type of fight, in my opinion. I want you to be reactive to me and me dictate what's happening, right? So our principles that we play in here, as far as concentrated on wrestling, judo, or jujitsu, or our striking, is all about that, that strategy and tactics that go along with it. But here's the thing. You can have all the strategy and tactics in the world, but if you can't implement it by using the principles or the fundamental principles that we work a lot, it doesn't really matter. You can't implement your strategy or your tactics. Does that make sense? All right, it makes lots of sense. Um, I borrow some of your key phrases. I tell people everything. The devil is in the Z tails. <laughs> in the Z tails. Um, and I think one of the great things about training here, and I'm also going to say training at any of the 
jujitsu, any of the good jujitsu schools around the area. We happen to be in Clarksville, Tennessee. There are, there's a lot of great jujitsu schools in the area. All right. Not just this one. I'll tell, I'll tell you there's some great instructors out there. Every last one of them pays attention to the small things. So you won't be disserviced um, training anywhere in the area. But what I will say is the devil is in the details or in the Z-tails. If you had to list, I'll say five, five important Z-tails, what would you give people to concentrate on? Jiu-jitsu-wise, right? Um, Jiu-jitsu or self-defense-wise. Z-tails, whatever you think um, is more applicable. Well, I think one big uh, big thing is, and we'll whittle it down, but one in general is coming here with a training mindset and focus on the lesson, not the win, right? Which is hard to do. Like speaking from from experience, as a younger man, as a person that just got into this, and as a as a young man that had an ego because of whatever my credentials involved, right? I didn't like losing. I didn't like feeling weak. I didn't like someone besting me in anything, especially physical stuff, right? So I came with a hard headed approach, which stunted my my learning, right? I plateaued a lot during my my journey. Because I was just so focused on winning. And then also, um, it made me have bad habits because I was getting away with things because of my athleticism or my strength or size or whatever. And I, because I was just focused on winning instead of saying, all right, how does this work? What's making this work? What's, how can I reverse engineer this? And I'm talking about this mindset while you're training, why I'm even rolling. It's up to me how I want to roll. Like this guy, the guy I'm rolling against, the adversary could be competitive and trying to win. And I can still, I still don't have to, play his game I can just let him do whatever and if he best me he best me but I'm figuring out how did that work what did I do wrong what did he do wrong what did he do right um so have a training mindset when you come into training because that's what it is it's not winning or competition for the championship belt it's training so if you neglect that it's going to take you a long time to figure these things out right so uh for me being hard headed as I am, it took people just whooping me up a little bit, right? And or me finding somebody that was a match for what I brought to the table, which forced me to really pay attention to those Z tails or details, you know. And it forced me to do that. And I would say, if if you're hard headed, you know, you're going to be forced to do some things, and hopefully you you grow from that. But if you can start early, thinking about what. How is this implemented? What what am I? What is the lesson I'm trying to get out of this? Versus, am I winning or am I losing? So that's key number one right there. That's a, that's a big detail that people overlook. And I understand when you get into a classroom environment or training environment that you're not comfortable with or you're not used to. There's so many things going on that suck your bandwidth away. Like, how, you know, who's looking at me? Or, you know, I'm not used to people sweating and being all up on me like this. Yeah. I'm not used to this closed-in space. The etiquette. And the nuances of a gym that involves grappling. So that's in the way. So, so that's the first one. Okay. What do you think about that? I like it. Come in being with training mindset. I still work on that. I still have that problem. So I have to like think about it in my head. I have to consciously like reset myself sometimes. I'm nursing some sore ribs because I forgot that concept. <laughs> I'm a 54-year-old guy. We roll with a lot of young, strong, able-bodied people. And I wanted to win the sweep. Instead of redirecting, which is what you do, go with the momentum. Instead of going against the momentum and sweeping the guy and getting on top, it was in my head that I'm going to prove that I can win this fight. Pull my ribs, 
and didn't get to sweep, then had to fight to get out from up under this bigger guy. And I knew better, but it's easy as a black belt, as a supposed to be mature man, 54 years old, I knew better. But like you said, there's that thing, that enemy of the, the enemy of the state, ego. Mm. And ego hits all of us at some point in time. Um, and that's, that's one of the bigger things to kill, especially in jujitsu. For know? sure, for sure. And it's good because it pushes you and makes you work hard and makes you intense and you get results from that as well. But you got to balance the, the drive and intensity with the what am I learning? What am I trying to get out of this? So another one would be um, really focus on the why, which is the overarching principles involved in whatever techniques you're doing. So, yeah, the techniques themselves have great details that help them work. But a lot of it just comes down to you executing the principles well, right? If I get into a control position and I think it's good, but people know how to squirm their way out because I leave little openings here and there because I'm lacking in my 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 fundamentals right then you're going to find yourself losing those positions a lot of times not being able to finish right so the fun every time i teach something even if it's a specific technique i talk i try to identify to the the student or whoever's listening well these are the overarching principles that are still involved in this technique remember my angle the angle still got to be be one right i got to win the posture right i'm trying to win base and balance right i want to be based and balanced and put them flat or whatever I'm trying to do, right? I need to manage the space. And this is how these play into this specific technique. I'm managing space with the leg now or with the arm now or with this little maneuver, right? So pay attention to the overarching principles. And every time you learn a technique, see how they mesh with the overarching principles that we go by, that we, we use in everything. And that helps you learn. It seems like you might learn the technique slower than everybody because I'm not just focused on just the technique. But you learn jujitsu faster by paying attention to that that part. You I know agree. what I mean? Uh, yeah, I do. I, I definitely agree. All right. So out of that, you could probably say that was one through five. Well, <laughs> well I mean, that, that's, it's broad <laughs> enough. I mean, I know that we want details, but details come with more specific type things, right? But that's I see that over and over again, and that's what I'm constantly preaching is, you know, student or or learning mindset, right, and principles, the why. Why is this happening? Because I'm trying to establish this principle, right, and win this principle. And that helps you implement all these little smaller, more specific details and techniques, right? That's that's what counts. Okay. So I like it. That's two so far. Give me three, three good ones. Let's go. I'm with it. Uh, other details – don't when you come to train have a have an idea of what you want to train right sometimes it's good to just go zombie mind and blank minded and like go ahead no i'm piggyback on this one because i love it um go ahead well i'll finish that and you piggyback okay so you come in sometimes it's good i like to just rely on somebody to tell me what to do right tell me what to do i'll do it right that's good that's why we have coaches that's why we have instructors or whatever and you have people in your life that you trust to help you kind of guide you when you you don't have the bandwidth right but a lot of times it's just you and so have an idea in mind what you're focusing on and that doesn't mean necessarily this technique or that technique it can mean like how am i approaching am i am i trying to do this one specific thing or am i just wanting to escape things today and get in bad positions am i wanting to dominate and be on top today so i can show 
you know, really work on that part. Am I trying to pass like crazy today? So I'm going to play top game and, and work that. So have little smaller goals in your head that may not be what the uh, the class is working on, but when you free roll or you get a chance to implement those things, smaller goals in mind that, that kind of direct your, your efforts, that's always going to help you improve faster. And what were you going to add on to that? So what I was going to add on is to that, I remember um, Professor Felipe, he, because um, I love being on top, right? Um, and, and like I said, with Z, Professor Andrew, um, every one of the black belts brings something different. Their expertise or positions that they like or what they like to bring. Um, I w- was very top heavy. I didn't have a bottom game at all. Um, Professor Andrew is very balanced. Z is very balanced. I didn't have that. So I was always push on top, stay on top, get on top, get on top. Um, Felipe made me spend a year working from my back. And then I got super comfortable on my back and then I had to be reminded, get off your back and get back up. So you can get into those positions, but you can also go too far. So that's just something else that I want to let go. Um, And then there are a lot of times going back to that ego thing um, as a lower belt, you may be rolling with an upper belt who's, and you're like, Oh, I tapped him or I got him doing this. Well, that upper belt may just be doing what he was talking about. They're just working on passing. Or they're just working on getting up from a bad position. Or they just may be working on a certain guard. So they're going to get caught. But they know it because that's not what they're fighting for. They're not worried about the tap. They're, they're finding out how they can get out of that position. And in doing so, they push their jujitsu to go further. Um, so there's, there's, there's a lot of great assets. Great one. I like that one a lot. Another one would be when you learn a technique. This is something I've learned on my journey. Don't expect you the technique to be awesome once you first learn it, right? And I know that sounds obvious, but we forget that sometimes. And there's things like, for instance, a, a straight ankle lock, right? Achilles lock. I learned a long time ago when I was doing MMA and I was missing some details or missing some some better ways to apply it. So I gave up on it because it wasn't working on anybody. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm just holding their ankle and hugging it, right? And tough guys, especially in the MMA crowd, like they're not submitting to that. They're just gonna they're gonna crush you and you don't get anything. So I I didn't pay attention to that for years until I started specifying my my attention to, to jujitsu more, right? And then I started learning small details and nuances with things that helped me become better at those. And then I realized and I had to trust some of the our forefathers, some of the people that came before us. And I thought in my head, like I'm an untrusting person, you know, I'm just raised that way or whatever my life was about. And why would I think that, you know, people have been, they've had this discipline around for years and years and years and years coming all the way from Japan and, and wherever. Right. And, and they kept this technique. Why would they keep this technique and it not work? So it made sense to me after I learned some of the details and learned how to apply it better. I'm like, I'm dumb. Like, I'm, you know, I'm just, this has been around forever and people still teaching this, but I thought it was just trash Right. And there are some disciplines and some crazy stuff out there that's trash. Right. But as far as jujitsu goes, which I think is pretty proven. I mean, if, if you if you don't believe in jujitsu, I mean, most of you can go watch Hoist Gracie and UFC one and, and they kind of set. Set the, the stage yeah, set for jujitsu, set the standard. So, yeah, I thought about it like that. And, and now I continue to think like that. I see things and I see different techniques and maybe they don't work for you as well because you just learned them. Maybe your body type is different than whoever taught you and maybe you need to make a few adjustments here and there for your body type, right? Or find different ways to apply it. 
But I guarantee that if you study and look into these techniques long enough, assuming that your principles are pretty good, you'll be able to implement them, right, and make them work. There's a reason they've been around for so long. It's not just people blowing smoke up your up your butt and and lying to you. Um, of course, there is some ignorance on all of our parts. Like I only know so much. Like I'm human, like everybody else. So some things I'm missing, but I continue to be a student and I look into it and I'm like, oh well, he's making it work. Oh, what's the detail here? Right? Oh, he did this. He made this slight adjustment. Or and now I go back to those techniques that maybe I laid off to the side for a while because I thought they weren't effective. And now I'm seeing how they work again. So don't give up on a technique. Just realize that you've got the surface. You, you understand the surface level of that technique, if, if that much. So continue to work on it and look into it. And, I, you know, you can look at YouTube as long as you understand principles and, you, and, you're, and you're trying to practice what you're learning on YouTube and not just taking it, at, uh, taking it um, as gospel because you've seen it on a video, right? Go try it out. Go explore. Get in the laboratory, I call it. And play around with it and see what works. And then also have a training partner that gives you like realistic resistance or realistic counters and looks to what you're trying to do. Because that's also will we'll send you off on the wrong road is if you get away with it with guys that don't know how to resist or how to counter things. Like you feel confident. It's a false confidence. Like, I'm, oh, look at me. I can, I can do this. I can make and that. this work. Yeah. I call it flopping, like the WWE yeah. or whatever else. If I get this guy that's, if I'm doing something, they're just falling back and they're tapping or, if I touch you and you're acting like I just took you down, you're just reinforcing a bad behavior. Right? So especially with the kids class. So a lot of times I'm like, hey, don't flop. Don't do that because you're teaching him that whatever he just did or she just did is working and it's not. Right. So give a realistic reaction so that they're actually learning. If it doesn't work, don't fall. If it doesn't work, don't tap. That way they have to make the adjustments to make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and that's how it should be. Yeah, I mean, you're trying to, even if you're cooperative, which will be my next detail, like you need to give them something that's a realistic look or a realistic response or reaction to what you're doing so that you can pick up on those small nuances that are going to help you do the technique better. And that requires a good partner. So last one, I would say uh, definitely distinguish during training and whether you're coach, coach or student, you need to talk to your partner because sometimes it's not understood. The newer the guys are, they think that every time we, we touch each other, we're fighting automatically. Hey, we're, we're fighting. Like distinguish between being cooperative or being competitive with one another. And I learned that from Paul Sharp, um, which is a, he's a jujitsu black belt, former cop out of Chicago area. Right. Um, you can check him out online, but he, he didn't use, he used different words and, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what he said and I made it a little more simple for my, for my use, but uh, he basically said, you know, you got your cooperative or consensual, which we always make jokes about consensual or non-consensual, but cooperative or competitive when you're doing a drill, what do we want to do here? What do we want to get out of it? So I always distinguish and show my students what I want them to do. I want you to be cooperative here. I want my partner that you're using or you're trying to implement the technique on. I want him to give you this look like partner, do this. Don't fall over, stay upright, make them force you into that position, you know, low intensity, obviously, but cooperate so they can get some repetitions doing the position right and, and learn the movements with their body. And then later on, we'll, you know, uh, we'll put you in a certain position, starting position and concentrate on that position and let you go competitive from there. Right. So you can work real resistance in that position, but you definitely distinguish between 
cooperative and competitive as you're training uh, and as you're drilling. Don't just let it go from zero to 100 every single time because no matter how self-aware you are, you'll end up being more competitive and then you kind of lose some of the learning repetitions that you're trying to get in in there, right? So everybody loves to roll. I like to work, roll and work out and, and be a little competitive, but you're not going to get any better if that's, well, it's going to take a lot longer to get better if you, that's all you're focused on. Yep. Right. I'm, I'm big on the drilling. I like, um, like you said, we'll, we'll go with the, as you said, consensual or the cooperative. I like flow rolls. I like to use flow rolls to warm up. It's more cooperative. You get more transitions out of it. In the transitions, you start seeing things. That's where my sweep is. That's how I get to this dominant position. Mm. There's that arm. Third time I go through, there's that arm. Okay, now I know I can snap into my submission mm -hmm. from here. Um, and I think that's very important for people to learn how to slow it down and drill. Drillers are killers for a reason, right? If I'm drilling something and then we do a situational or positional sparring, and then we've done that enough, right? So I always tell people, I don't do it till I get it right. You do it till you can't do it wrong. Mm -hmm. Then when you go live with it, you'll start seeing a lot more success. All right, so I push them into that. So that was awesome details. And I know you like that flow roll, and I, I look at flow roll as kind of being like the, the little gray area in between like cooperative and competitive. We're, we're moving, and we're moving at a slower pace, allowing things to happen. That way I can kind of see what would be presented to me in those moments versus the scrambles that we would have in a competitive setting where you really don't have time to think about what you did if it's not already coming naturally anyway, right? If you haven't already programmed that in, right, you're not going to see it as much. So you start to see stuff. Right, because you're going slower, you're forcing yourself to go slower, but you're getting like real reactions from the adversary or opponent in that moment. So it's not too much like a drill, and not too much like a competitive role. It's right in the middle. So it's, it's a sweet spot. I liked it. Yeah, it's like a croissant. All a right, croissant. <laughs> it's not really a biscuit, not really a case. It's something in the middle. Yes. All right. So those were awesome. Tell us about. I'm looking at your shirt, looking at your gear. Capable citizens. Tell us what that means. What that brand is about. Um, let's go. All right, so uh, before I started doing jiu-jitsu regularly as teaching, I was I retired from the military and I started teaching people how to use firearms, practical firearms, like a, an everyday carry pistol or a rifle of some sort for home defense or even teaching soldiers and, and law enforcement for their needs, their tactical needs, right? And that started out as uh, just using what I had from the military and kind of building off of that. But my mindset after getting out of the military and was that I had a heart for everyday citizens, not necessarily law enforcement or cops. I mean, excuse me, cops or, or military, uh, that, that everybody should be able to protect themselves. And, you know, the more I'm in the jiu-jitsu community and the MMA community, there's plenty of guys that are, that are hard to handle that don't have those military or cop backgrounds. And I think as a family man, Everybody needs to have some capability to protect themselves. You can't just rely on others, right? And I don't mean you need to walk around Billy Badass all the time. I just mean that you need to have some confidence in your skills. And we know that as far as firearms go, and depending on, you know, no matter what you think of it, people do have firearms. We can't snap our fingers and make everything magically disappear. So that means I got to have a, the capability of equaling the amount of force that they can have, Right. So I'd much rather grapple you than have a shootout with someone, right? But I don't always have that choice when we're talking about real situations, right? So philosophy-wise, um, 
love wise as far as what i've learned being a dad and a father or excuse me a father and a husband and then the performance approach wise as far as what i've learned in the military right i took all those and kind of thought you know what would i teach people to help them become capable citizens for worst case scenarios worst case scenarios being the things that are low likelihood but very high risk someone pulling a gun on you things involving vehicles you know emotional interactions violent interactions with people right and that's what i started gearing my 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 business towards as far as what i teach and it's instructorz.com you know after my name because i started doing all my social media when i first got out i didn't have any social media at first put my name out there instructor z little play on words because there was this guy at the time that was a like famous on youtube an instructor zero yeah. right and he was doing all these cool shooting videos right and i was just joking you know i'm kind of a light-hearted guy so i was like instructor z just making a joke and it kind of stuck even though it's kind of corny and now I, all my stuff is labeled with that so i got to go with it but i changed the website it's still instructorz.com but I, i'm emphasizing more of the capable citizens approach and i made my little logo here it's got the the jack of all all trades symbol so it's got the jack it's got the arrowhead for paying homage to the native americans and where a lot of the military got their tactics from it's got our tennessee star and it's a card a playing card you know like the jack um so that's what i kind of went with and the idea is what can i take from my experience everyday living like just doing family things and interaction with regular society and my military background and my fighting background and how can we help people that may think that they're not capable of doing this stuff how can i get them more confident right and how can i also impress upon them without being a fear monger where i'm just trying to sell something like insurance how can i impress upon them that bad things do happen it doesn't really matter who you are or how much you try to stay away from bad situations you don't always have control of that right so I think there's a great amount of confidence that comes from knowing that I can deal with the worst case scenario helps me live my everyday life for the, for the most common scenarios, right? Because I know I can, I can, I can work here. So every day seems like it's everyday thing seems a little easier for me. Right. That being said though, uh, everyday issues are probably the harder things to deal with. So, and I, I speak my philosophy out there. I write a little bit and talk to people a little bit about, everyday survival and to everyday survival to me is not losing my patience with my kids not losing you know patience and doing something stupid because of my ego um, not getting into a road rage incident something that i can control right as far as my reaction goes all right so things like that um, i'm trying to meld together with those worst case uh, scenario responses and help people get better so that's my idea of capable citizen all right i love it um, and I think the capable citizen lifestyle plays into a lot of what our ethos here at Henzo Gracie, problem solving, right? I know for a fact that jujitsu has helped me calm my temperament, has made me a better problem solver, probably made me a better husband, father, business person, all of that. And it's little things. I control me or someone, either you control you or somebody will control you. And that's mm. the way I think about it, especially like in a role. I'm controlling my body and moving it the way I want to move it, or I'm flailing around being over hyper or doing too much. And now I'm being controlled by my opponent or my adversary. Mm -hmm. 
It's the same thing with your emotions and everything else. I like what you said about road rage. I can react to someone doing this and act like a monkey or, you know, and get all mad. Or I can understand that they did whatever. I don't know what kind of day they're having. By me going, meeting their aggression or going up, I may have started something that actually didn't have to. I just need to let that person sure. go down the road. Um, so those are things that I, and I, that's why I said, really wanted to emphasize what you're doing and what we're doing. Um, Saturdays, we do, uh, it's self-defense, still looking to change that name, but it's more of a capable citizens type work where we do talk about what happens at, uh, if you're at Walmart, if you're trying to get in your car and somebody's trying to prevent you from getting in the car, things to be tactically minded, situational awareness, um, if you carry, how do you keep what you have and not voluntarily give it to someone else? Mm -hmm. um, that's a big deal. I know people who carry, and then the first thing I always ask them, where is it? And they're like, what? Like, I have a gun. I don't need jujitsu. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got your gun. <laughs> what do you need now? So those things are different. Um, so the, like, I think people, and when we talk about self-defense, of course, first thing they'll tell you, number one, is to have a weapon. Like a force multiply, especially something gives me more capacity to go further, which would be a gun. Now, second, I would say is jujitsu. After that, I'd say Muay Thai, boxing, or whatever. I need to have a way, the one I can keep you off mm -hmm. of me. But if you are on me, I need to be able to close the distance, get my hands on you, control you as opposed to you controlling me, or be able to hit you, do whatever it is, put you unconscious, or get you at least rattled so I can get, like you said before, I love what you say, either I can stay in the pocket I can run away. And right. a lot of people don't really understand. Like, and I, that was one of the things that amazed me the most as I was coming up in jujitsu when I was meeting black belts, the amount of black belts that carry, the amount of black belts that will tell you, oh, no, you just get away from that situation. I'm like, what? And they're like, I'm not going, I'm mm -hmm. not putting myself in a situation I don't have to be in. And I think if you're at a school and you talk to most of your majority of black belts, I've watched, they're the ones who are the last to think about getting into an altercation. They're going to always try to um, de-escalate a situation, all those other things. Um, and if not, when they do have to use it, then I feel sorry for the person that gets, gets those hands. Like, I don't want none of that right there. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> well, the ultimate thing for me, like, and people, I'm biased, obviously, because I'm a jujitsu jiu practitioner and I love jujitsu. But I, from an objective standpoint, I really see the overlap of putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable often. And you can't get much more uncomfortable than someone taking away all your space, holding you down, making you tired as hell, and still controlling you, making you do something that you don't want to do, right? Which is what jujitsu is like a lot as you're training. Not always, but depending on how well you do against your adversary. But nothing overlaps better for just training against an adversary in general to me. Right. That gives me more um, general, I guess, con conditioning and competence in discomfort. And that goes a long way. Yes, the more spe specified your training is, the better you're going to be in specified situations. Right. Just being generally trained is not going to make you execute at the highest levels, obviously. That's why, you know, Olympic people have so much of a, a concentration on their specific sport. And their movements within their sport, right? That's going to make you better. But as a capable citizen or, or just a person that cares about being capable in general, I need to experience discomfort. 
And the more I do that in jujitsu, which is a safe environment, uh, easily resourced environment nowadays, right? And something simple that you can do without having to spend a lot of money on uh, bullets, guns, or knives, and 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 other kind of more uh, niche training, right? Jiu-jitsu is the place. Everything that I do, I had my military training. And I was special forces, and we did all this high-level training. But still, jiu-jitsu, I see how it overlapped into my ability to be more calm and have more bandwidth in scary situations that involve guns or tools or other things that are not in jiu-jitsu just because I was more confident in myself and what I could do, right? And I was used to dealing with adversity at a very uh ground level right no pun intended so i think started jujitsu because here's the problem with guns and knives everybody me included you included we want the easy way we're built that way when you're an animal you want to survive i'm gonna take the easy way you don't you know we're intelligent that's why we pick to give ourselves uh adversity like go to the gym and no animals are working out exactly they're doing what's necessary <laughs> to survive right we do that on purpose because we're intelligent. So, but your instincts always lead you to the path of least resistance. So people buy these guns, buy these knives, and never train in any kind of form or fashion where somebody had to, they had to fight for that particular thing or win a position against someone or think about getting an angle to use cover and think about where their bullets would be traveling from the angle that they're shooting and still be calm while they're shooting when they're scared to death for their life, Right. That's the problem. People get those things as an easy answer, yeah. and they don't put in any training in there. That's like me coming to the gym, like buying a membership here at this gym and saying, yes, I'm a member at a jiu-jitsu or, or a fighting gym, and that's going to automatically make me better. No, you still got to go to class. You still got to show up. You still got to put in the work. You still got to. There's no way around it. Like some people more than others, and maybe you get lucky right here and there because you're big, strong, athletic or whatever, but you still got to put in work. The gun, you still got to put in work. People say, well, I'll just show a gun and then that'll make the person stop attacking me. Well, sometimes you show a gun nope. and that makes the person think you're about to shoot me. So they pull their gun and now you're in a gunfight and you don't know how to use the gun. Right. So a gun can escalate things unless you know how to identify the situation that you're in and give the right answer to that situation based off of your bandwidth, which is based off of your overall confidence dealing with that type of adversity. Right. So, uh one of the guys I learned from on post that was a, a sports psychologist, a great guy, he taught me his version of confidence. He said, you've got competence, meaning you know said techniques and how to work this mechanism or work body position. You have the competence, and then you have, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The conditioning. I'm conditioned in that environment, meaning I, I know how to deal with fear, which everybody gets scared. It's just how fast can you react under that fear situation? And go back to what you're trained to do with your competence, fear, emotion, the mental part, right? The physical part, your heart rate going up and you freaking being tired. How do you react, react in that moment? So there's your conditioning, and your competence together is what makes ultimate confidence, right? If one is lacking, you're either, you got false confidence or overconfidence, one or the other, right? And can you get away with that? Maybe. Are you willing to gamble if you're in a real life threatening situation? I don't, I'm not. I'd rather be as capable and ready as possible, right? Because I do gamble that I'm one of the top percentile of people that, that is capable in the world because I have a, a well-versed discipline 
experience, right? And I think everybody should have that to some degree. You know what I mean? If you can have a gun, I need to have a gun. If you can drive like crazy and cut people off, I need to be able to drive and, and control my emotions. If you can have a knife, I need to have something that will will counter that, right? And, and be in my advantage. So being jujitsu, it overlaps into that area. And it also give you a good understanding of why you don't want to get into fights because you'll get your ass whooped enough. And if you didn't have humility before, you will after. I don't care how big you are, how strong you are. Humility is probably the greatest thing I got out of jujitsu, which that's what we talk about, those black belts, why they don't want to get in fights. Because I know, I know that just because I'm this, this, and this doesn't mean I win everything. I know there's people out there that's better. I know what it feels like to be tired. And even though I felt like when I wasn't tired that I was awesome, when I got tired, I was like, you know, I'm just thinking about giving up. I'm thinking about giving up and quitting. Maybe you're just going to beat me up. That's humility right there. You can talk about levels. Um, I've always known there were levels in in jujitsu from having Professor Brian Marvin, uh, Ray, Professor Gary, Gary, who's a smaller guy than me, just wrapped me up in knots. Um, all these things. But then when we had JT come in and we got to watch him and train and felt his pressure and everything else. So you get a healthy dose of humility every day or every week in jujitsu. There's somebody that's going to help you realize that, that what you thought was isn't. Um, I love it. So constant reminders of being humble is one thing that keeps you out of trouble. Exposure to discomfort on these mats. Constant reminder that you ain't the biggest baddest in the world because, you know, we want to believe that. That feels better. Feel better about yourself if you believe that. But constant reminder that you're not is a, is a good way to keep a person out of trouble and give you reasonable responses to emotional situations a lot of times. Right? It's just facing reality. Come face reality. Jiu-jitsu is very much within your reach, within your grasp for everybody for the main for the main part, right? It's pretty common nowadays. It's mainstream as it can, and it's getting more mainstream as we, as we talk. But do jujitsu, right? It has involves judo, wrestling, involved the, the, the self-defense portion and your life will be changed. Your life will be changed. I think you're going to, it's going to result in leaking into making better decisions overall. I believe. And thank you. Thank you for all that insight. Guys, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Um, I enjoyed it. I, so I've had, what, almost five years, maybe a little bit longer than that. Too long for me to remember. I know, of being able to have these kind of conversations with Z. Um, the Aftermath podcast came about, we would finish an open mat segment, we'd be rolling and tired, and then afterward we would have some of the best conversations. Like, it's really easy to be open when you're vulnerable. And a lot of people's like, all these big strapping guys, why are they vulnerable? Like, after you just, like you said, a big heaping dose of humility – and it may start that we're talking about the position of what happened. Then it evolves into politics. Then it evolved into how we raise our children or situations that happen to us. So that's what we're trying to bring to this, right? We want you guys to understand that through conversation, through jujitsu, through a lot of things, you can be open and receptive. And respect is, is given and earned, right? A lot of times people are like, well, he should respect me. Well, respect is earned as well as given. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a two it's a two pronged thing, so go out there and get it. Um have a lot of respect and admiration for this man. I was glad to get him here. I'm super and excited that he's one of our instructors and one of the black belts we have on site. And like I said, between 
I'm Professor Andrew, our head instructor, myself and Z. Make sure you get a chance to hit one of the classes. He's um, Tell them your hours and what you do and when you teach, when they can come so to your Monday class. So Monday nights at 6 p.m., I do a no-gi class. Uh, that's in the evening. That's when a lot of people have time. And then Tuesday and Thursday mornings, 6 a.m., right? If you're motivated, we're already testing your motivation, getting up early, and then come in and do jujitsu. And then Friday afternoon on Fight Friday, I do a gi class. And then occasionally I'll jump into other classes here and there. Um, seek the truth. The mats will give you the truth about yourself, and the better you can deal with the truth about yourself in that setting, the better your life's going to be. The truth will set you free. Truth will definitely set you free. All right. The Aftermath Podcast is brought to you by Henzo Gracie Clarksville, hosted by myself, James Habanero Hoskins, and recorded by Met Chain Music. Don't forget to follow the Aftermath at Aftermath, aftermathpod.com and on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Aftermath Pod. Be sure to like, review, and follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Get the merch. Get the merch. <laughs> Thank you.